Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, we are wrapping up uh, this message series entitled Stuck. Is this the life that you imagine? If you're visiting with us today, we've been, just been talking all month long about times in our life, where, you know, major times when we get stuck, but um, the more difficult ones are when we're stuck and we don't even realize it. And we've been kind of looking through God's Word and through the Bible and just finding different stories that might apply to our lives and give us some wisdom and insight um, with how to move past some of those moments. And today we're going to take a look at a story. We're going to go in the Old Testament. We have the Old Testament, the New Testament in the Bible, split up into two kind of categories. The Old Testament tells a lot of the story uh, about the Israelites, God's people and their journey. And uh, we're going to take, we're going to learn a lesson from the Israelites and their relationship to God. And, but before we begin, um, you know, it's true in our lives that a lot of times when we see something that we want and we, we want to grasp something, um, sometimes there are some conditions that are attached to it. Um, you know, today, like when you go and you buy things online, uh, a lot of times you might uh, go ahead and click, yes, I want to buy this. And then all of a sudden you see that there, there might be some, some terms that you have to agree to or, or different things. In fact, in social media, um, for those of you, how many of you have Twitter? How many of you use Twitter in your everyday life? Y'all are lying. I just see two hands. Either that or we're going to hold after this service a lesson on Twitter so that we can bring you into the 21st century. But anyway. So in Twitter, if you actually sign up for Twitter, before you get online and before you sign up for Twitter, you have to click a box, and it's called the Terms of Service. And so if you use it, you've already done this. You might not even know because a lot of us, here's what we do. We get to that box, and it's got a little thing there, and we, it's got a paragraph that is shown, but you've got to scroll. And so what you do is, I ain't got time for this, you know, yeah, 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 whatever, and you click it, and I just want to get what I want. Um, did you know this, that if you go ahead and use Twitter, that you have agreed to this? Take a look. Twitter Terms of Service, you are licensing them to use any content, video, photo, etc. to be used at their discretion. True story, that if you utilize Twitter and you post a video, you post a picture, Twitter has the right, they are licensed by you, to use your photograph for advertising purposes for their service. So all around this country, a picture that, or video you put up could be used somewhere by Twitter to sell their social media app. Now, some of you are saying that's not true. They don't do that. No, it is true because let me tell you a little story. About a month and a half ago, my son were visiting a local ice cream place. Here in Myrtle Beach, for those of you watching online, we have a local ice cream place that's out west in Conway called Brewster's. And Brewster's about a year and a half ago ran a special promotion. And they said this, that if you take a picture of you and someone else eating ice cream, Brewster's ice cream, and you submit it to us, then you have a chance of winning free ice cream for a year. Now, when I went and I started doing that on my phone, because my son said, Daddy, we should do this, we should do this. I said, okay, okay, and I got my phone out and we start doing We take a crazy picture of the two of us, and there's a little button for terms of service. We go and we click that button and we submit the picture. A year later, we don't hear anything. Well, about four months ago, I had a friend living in Atlanta, Georgia, and all of a sudden I get an email from them with an attachment and said, Hey, is this you and Connor? And the attachment was this. Take a look at the fourth picture in. That's me and Connor on a national advertisement for Brewster's ice cream. I had no idea that picture was out there. More importantly, I was wondering, where's my free ice cream? But here's the truth. 
sometimes, sometimes we could click that box and we could just kind of run through it. I think sometimes it's opposite for us as Christians. Here's the truth, and I'm going to set this up. I think sometimes, and if you're not a Christian, just pay close attention. I think sometimes God um, speaks to us. Not, maybe not audibly, but God will probably say, hey, I got something for you. There's an opportunity. I want you to look at this. I want you to be a part of this. And we hear that over and over and over again. When we look at what it's going to take to do what we hear God saying, or we take a look at the like we do things like this. God, God, there's no way. No, that is indigestion because there's no way. That person's going to get ticked off at me. I can't do that. I know it's the right thing to do, God, but you know what? Those two people, they're going to be affected like this. And you know, it's easier if I just do this. So God, I'm just going to stay where I'm at because the terms of service are too great to do what you want me to do. Well, guess what? The Israelites are going to have a conversation with God. And God's going to show them something that is theirs. But then God's going to place some terms of service in between. And let's see what the Israelites do when faced with the terms of service. We're going to open up to Deuteronomy chapter 1, starting in verse 6. We're going to go through this chapter. Um, the Israelites, for those of you who are not Christians and you don't know the Bible too well, the Israelites are on a place called Mount Sinai. They're on a mountaintop. They've been hanging out here for a while. They've been camping. They're just waiting for God to say, all right, now it's time to move. So they've been sitting here, they're comfortable, they're hanging out, and then God all of a sudden is going to wake them up and say, okay, today's the day, now's the time. I want you to listen to what I have to say. Follow along with me in Deuteronomy chapter 1. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you've stayed at this mountain long enough. How many times has God looked at Terry and said, Terry, you've been doing this long enough. It's time, it's time. Continuing on. It's time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev, and the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. I want you to go, guys. I want you to go. Look, I am giving all this land to you. Go in. Occupy it. For it's the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and to all their descendants. Now, here's the amazing thing about this. Now, if theologians will tell you this. All throughout this time period, God, through Moses, speaking through Moses, would tell the Israelites, there is a promised land. There is a land that I want you to go to. There is a land that is yours. It's not a land that, you know what, maybe you'll get it. No, 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 no. It's already yours. I've already ordained it. It's yours. And so God looks through Moses to the Israelites and say, okay, guys, time to move. Now go take what's yours. I'm with you. It's mine to give, and I've already given it to you. So you should have no fear. You should have no worries. I'm a part of it, and I want you to go take it. Now, do you know this? Here's the interesting thing. And this should give you some security in your lives when God speaks. When God really wants to use you, by the way, he wants to do it every day. But when he really has something for you, I love God. Because you know the theologians will say that God told the Israelites over 200 times he talked about the land that they were going to be a part of. Over 200 times. So you know what that's like for me? It's like, Terry, hey, you need to go over here and you need to have this conversation. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, indigestion. Terry, Terry, conversation. Terry, conversation. Terry, conversation. Terry, that person right over there, conversation. God, I'm trying to sleep. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Quit bothering me. But Terry, there's a conversation you need to have. Terry, there's something you need to do. Terry, you need to be a part of it. And God is going to prompt my heart over and over, not let me sleep, not let me run from it. Because God sometimes in my life says, Terry, you're stuck. You've been hanging out too long. And now you need to take another step. And for whatever reason, you are not willing to do it. Continue on. Let's see what happens. Then, just as the Lord our God commanded us, we left Mount Sinai and we traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness, as you yourselves remember, and headed toward the hill country of the Amorites. Pause. The Israelites are on Mount Sinai and they're all like, we're going to move. And God says, all right, here's the land. We've said it 200 times. Yay. But then God as only God can, puts his terms of service in place. All right, Israelites, yes, I'm going to give it to you, but hey, it's over there. And in order to get there, I'm going to have you walk through a terrifying wilderness that is desert-like, so you'll be hungry, there won't be much food, and I'm going to lead you all the way through there into the promised land. What does that mean for you and me? Sometimes... God has an incredible economic plan in our life. If you're a note taker, you need to write this down. God has an economic plan. And when God speaks to us and said, okay, Terry, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. And here it is over here. I want you to go. This is what I'm telling you to do. And you need to do it. What we think sometimes in our life, in our daily life, in our marriages, with our families, we think, okay, God spoke. So it's easy. Since God wants it, that means for me to go and occupy it or take it, that means it's very simple. There are no terms of service. It's really simple. Here it is. I'm going to take it. But that's not how God works. I believe in the law of supply and demand. And God promised the Israelites, don't miss this, don't fall asleep, follow me. God promised the Israelites the promised land. Now, what was in the promised land? If, you're, if you don't know the Bible, you're going to learn something. What was, in the, what was in the promised land? Clusters of huge grapes, amazing food, lust vegetation, milk, honey, all the things that could sustain this people. And where did God bring the people through the wilderness? Through a desert where it was dusty and people sneezed. It happened all the time. But they go through and they lead him through the wilderness. Here's the point. An environment of demand will create a desire for supply. God allowed the Israelites to walk through the wilderness and the desert because when he got them to the place that he was showing them, he wanted them to see, you have a demand, you see the need now, and I'm supplying your need. All you have to do is go take it. In other words, God is going to prompt your heart several times. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And some of you are going to say, why God? Why should I do this? And God's going to lead you and allow you to go through the wilderness a little bit to show you why you need to do it. Here should be your prayer. God, allow the trip through the wilderness not to be that long. Allow me to trust you enough to believe in what you have in front of me. Allow the terms of service to be so short because I trust you with all my heart. Let me illustrate this another way. If you're a history, excuse me, major, if you're a history major, don't go to sleep because even if you're not, you're going to like this, I promise. So in the 1800s, individuals, when they would make an oath, and they would say, I promise. An oath was 
very important. An oath was as good as a signed contract. So when an individual made an oath to someone else, it was by law intact. However, there were times when a person wanted to not only make an oath, but make it so strong as if to say, nothing will break this. And so what they used to do is they would want to say, we need to invoke God's name in it somehow to make it really strong because nothing is greater than God. So if we invoke God's name on the oath, it'll show it's that we mean business. It's that much more important. So here's what people used to do. Back in the 1800s, it was wrong to blasphemy or curse God, right? And so today's day and age, you hear some people and even then say, I swear by blank. I'm not going to curse in church. I swear by blank. You, You get the point. Well, they couldn't do that. Instead, would say this. They would say, by Jesus, I commit that I will do this. And so the term, by Jesus, became very, very popular in the 1800s. By Jesus, I agree. By Jesus, I'm going to do this for you. In other words, you can count on me. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard of the term, It scared the bejesus out of me. Did you ever hear that term? You know where that came from? It came from the 1800s. Because what would happen is sometimes an individual would make a commitment by God, by Jesus, but then they would go through the wilderness. Then all of a sudden the terms of service would be too great. And there was a phrase that was used. He didn't do it because he got the by Jesus scared out of him. I don't know why. In the 1800s, people really did believe that Jesus Christ through them would accomplish things. And so if they looked at God and said, by Jesus, I'm going to do it. In other words, through you, I promise and commit, I will do this. If they didn't follow through, it meant they got the, by Jesus, scared out of them, and therefore they didn't follow through. The Israelites, through the wilderness, you're going to see in just a second, They went through a terrible period. And let's just see what they say to God when they get to the promised land. Take a look. I said to you, you've now reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord God is giving us. You got to the promised land, guys. Look, he has placed the land. This is Moses speaking. He has placed the land in front of you. Go, occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Pause. When I read that, I said, God, how many times do you lead me? And I say, okay, God, I I, I hear you. God, I see a need. God, I think you want me to be a part of this. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to look at the terms of service. I'm not going to check the box yet, but I'm just going to walk a little bit close to it. And then I'm going to get there and I'm going to look at it. And then all of a sudden, God, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to say, oh gosh, it's right there. It's right in front of us. And then it says, if God looks into our hearts, because he knows what's going to happen, Terry, don't do it. Don't get afraid. It's like something pops up and says, oh, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. And God says, that's yours. I promise that. You need to do that. Step into it. Occupy it. And he says, don't be afraid. Because he knows who we are. We get afraid. But watch what happens. But, Moses says, you all came to me and said this. First, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They'll advise us on the best route to take and which towns we should enter. 
Theologians will tell you that God allowed this to happen. But you'll also read later in Deuteronomy where God actually even speaks and says, that was your idea, not mine. You should have trusted me, but you wanted to trust in yourself. The Israelites got to the promised land and they looked at the terms of service. Go into that land and take it because Jesus Christ, by Jesus, you can do this. And the Israelites said, God, we got a different plan. God, what if I do this? How many of you, including me, every single day of our life, God shows us the land in front of us, shows us what we should do. And we walk up and we look at the terms of service and we say, well, God, I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to click agree to the terms of service. So how about I suggest something else? How about we go over here and do this, God? And because it might be godly, we say, oh, this is much better. Okay, look, he won't be offended. She won't be offended. We won't, you know, kind of sacrifice here. It'll all be good. So God, we'll just go this route. And we look at God and we say, we got a better plan than you. Because God, technically, I'm not trusting what you're saying. Continuing on. But even after all he did, Moses says, even after all God did, even after the 200 times he said, go take the land, you refuse to trust the Lord your God who goes before you looking for the best places to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Do you realize what God said to them and what he says to me? Terry, come on. You know that this is what you're supposed to do. And even though countless times again and again, I show up in your life, even though when you reach out to me and you totally depend on me, I show up and I surprise you, even though countless times I have been faithful to you, you still walk up to front of the land and say, "Mm, I don't know, God, I can't agree to the terms of service. And because of that, we don't trust him. And because of that, We get stuck. Because of it, the Israelites for 40 years would be stuck in the desert. I'm going to close with a story here and it kind of lines up. Because if you're a practical person like me, some of you are like, great, thanks, Terry. I've been praying about this and now I know that God is saying I should do this, but I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what I should do. I'm going to give you four things that I really feel that you every day, four things that you should be doing in your life to say, God, are you speaking? God, is it you? And then God, I want to trust you. So I'm going to give you four things. But before I do, let me tell you a little story. A few years ago in Boston, Massachusetts, they had a a horrific tragedy that happened. For runners, you remember this because you watched as the Boston Marathon was coming to conclusion. And at the finish line of the Boston Marathon, tragedy struck and two terrorists planted bombs at the finish line, which took the lives of some and really, really created a tragedy for others in their lives from this day forward. At that time, Boston was, they, they were reeling. They didn't know what to do. The police department came together and they said, you know, we need, to, we need to rally the city. The city is in fear because the two suspects, they were still at large. And so they came out with a saying in Boston because they wanted to catch the criminals. And they said, if you're out there, Boston, we want you to do two things. We want you, if you see something, we want you to say something. And so they depended on all of Boston. And this was a popular cry out. See something, say something. See something, say something. Because the police wanted to try and find the culprits. 
Well, all around Boston, people were so scared that when they saw even the slightest of things, they said something. You can imagine what happened with the police, though. They were going in all different kind of directions because everybody was seeing something and saying something. And so people were scattered everywhere. And it was mass chaos in the city at this time. But there was one individual that didn't just see something and say something. He actually took it a step further. And he did something. And because of his actions, the police were able to find and capture the culprits. You see, this individual had a boat in his backyard with a tarp over it. And he saw that there was a trail of blood leading to that tarp. He saw blood on top of the tarp. And he thought, I need, I need to call the police. I need to call the police. I need to call the police. And so he started calling. But then he said something, you know, I need to, I need to do something. So probably against better judgment, I can definitely see people saying, what are you doing? He walked up to the boat and he lifted the cover to make sure that what he saw was accurate. Because he saw that the individuals were there in the boat, he called the police and said, I see them, it's them, and they're hiding in the boat. Because of that report, the police department was able to get there quickly because they didn't have to wonder, well, is this another call of someone seeing something and it might or might not be true. But because of so vivid and so detailed, because he did something, he got right to there and they captured the culprits. I believe God is working in all of us and we can use that phrase in our Christian lives to do this. If you're taking notes, take this. Number one, see something. Every day of your life, are you seeing what God is doing? There are, and some of you who are Christians, you're taking a break right now and you're saying, oh, well, this is for all the non-Christians. These are for all the people who don't believe in God because yes, I am with God and God's with me. No, 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 no. I'm telling you something, Christians. I promise you there are days every single day of the week in which you don't really look for God. You look at your schedule, you look at your plan, you look at your agenda, but you don't pause and say, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing in my life? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? You don't ask those questions. So you don't see something. Instead, you just do what you want to do. So some of you, your action step for the day is to pause and to say, God, good morning. And God, you know what? Today, I pray that you would show me that I would see something that you want me to be a part of and God use me in an incredible way. So number one, see something. Number two, say something back. Because some of us, we see it and we go, oh, Yep, God, I'm not talented enough for that. And so I praise God that that need is over there and I know you're gonna bring someone else to go take care of it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Some of us, we need to look at God and we need to say something back and we need to start praying and we need to start saying, God, do you really want me to do this? Do you really want me a part of this? God, is that you speaking? Because if you say something, I promise you, he will make it very clear. So see something, say something. Third thing though, I think we have to go farther. We need to do something. If God has spoken, we need to get off the mountain and move. And we need to look past the terms of service and say, God, I don't care that it's wilderness. I don't care that it looks scary because you have told me that this is what you want me to do. And I am going right past the terms of service. I'm clicking that box and I'm trusting you because you are going to lead me sometimes through the wilderness to get to the promised land. So some of you need to do something. And finally, You need to be something. This is the thing we missed. Last Sunday, for months, our staff had prayed for last Sunday. And my prayer for weeks was, God, 
get me out of the way. God, I'm not qualified. God, I don't know what to say. God, you've got to speak through me. God, I want to be. I want the by Jesus in me to do great things. So God, it's you. And God showed up through all of us and shocked every one of us and did something crazy. For some of you in this room, God has told you, you need to move. And you are rejecting the terms of service and saying, I want it my way. And God is saying, click that box. Trust me. Be who I called you to be. In other words, church, don't allow the by Jesus to be scared out of you. Trust him. And he will deliver you to where he wants you to be. Would you pray with me? In just a few moments, we're going to sing one more song. And it's a song entitled, I'm Alive in You. I just want to pause with head bowed, eyes closed. I don't do this often, but I, I really sense in my heart that there are many in this room that you are stuck, that you are just having a hard time trusting God that you look at what's in front of you and even though you can see where God wants to take you, you just look at that wilderness and say, God, I don't think I can do it. And God is pounding at your heart saying, yes, you can. And so today, maybe your action step is to finally, to see something, say something, do something and be something and say, God, I'm gonna trust you. Maybe you're in this room and maybe you have been coming to church. Maybe you've started to open your Bible. Maybe you don't even know what it means to truly be a Christ follower or a Christian. I just want to challenge you. You have gotten to the terms of service and every time you look to say, all right, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to become a Christian, you refuse to check the terms of service. And guess what? The terms of service are very clear. It's trusting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and that's it. He'll take you where you're at. You don't have to have it all figured out. And so maybe for you, I would just, I'm just going to pray this prayer. And I, I, I don't do this often, but I just sense there are some of you struggling. And I just want to lead you in a prayer. And if you'd say, Terry, I don't know today beyond a shadow of a doubt if I would go to heaven. If that's you, I can promise you that by scripture, by what God says in his words, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for eternity. And so if that's you, You don't have to say anything out loud. You can say it in the privacy of your heart, but I want to lead you in a prayer and just echo this in your heart. God, I am sorry. I I just, I'm a sinner. I just mess up. And so God, I've been trying to live my own life. I've been trying to live on my agenda. And God, I, I just really need a savior. And so God, I don't have it all figured out and I don't know everything, but God, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to check the box, the terms of service, and I'm going to say, I trust you. And so God, come into my heart. Allow the by Jesus in me to do incredible things. And God, I promise that I will try every day to learn more about you and to follow you. And I thank you that because of what you say, not what I feel, but because of what you say, I will be in eternity forever with you. Thank you, God, that today I can stand and that you're alive in me. 
So Father, right now in this moment, as we stand and as we sing in just a moment, I pray it would be more than words in our mouth. I pray that we would trust Jesus Christ through us to do incredible things so that we will be stuck no more. We bless you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.